Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, my friends out there in Radio Land. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday, December the 10th. Hope you guys are busy getting your Christmas presents if you celebrate Christmas because it's coming in like two weeks, almost just two weeks. And I want to thank you again for joining us here this morning. As always, it's such a joy to have you here with us wherever you are in the world, especially to our loyal listeners who have been with us for over seven years. I always say thank you, especially to you. But to those who are new to Off the Shelf and it's your first time tuning in, I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney. And as always, as I tell you, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, and that's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And again, I thank you for joining us today, and I encourage you to go out and let your friends know to listen to Off the Shelf, especially to today's show and our special guests. And I encourage you not to let another day pass before you pick up a copy of my latest book, Long Walk Up. It's a powerfully moving, inspirational book. If you're looking for something to give you the nudge, to get you moving forward toward your destiny and your dreams, Long Walk Up just might be the perfect book for you. And you can get a copy of Long Walk Up today by visiting www.chistel.com. You can also get a copy from any bookseller, and and I do mean any, whether it's Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Amazon.com, online or offline. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it, and they can order it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And last, I want to tell you, please go over and visit me at my blog, which is writemoneyinc.com, spelled the way it sounds, writemoneyinc.com. Got information on writing jobs and ways that you can grow and expand your your readership and your market as a writer or at, at any other business venture you might be in. And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Stephanie McKinney. And Stephanie is a minister, author, and business owner. She is also a native of New Jersey and the author of the books, The Road to Excelling Them All, Issues of Life, Clutch Your Pearls, Girl, and Doing It God's Way. She would just love for you to visit her online at www.stephaniemckinney.com, and I'll spell it S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-M-C-K-E-N-N-E-Y.com. So go, you can go over even now, as I always tell you, this is one of the great benefits of online radio. You can go to her website, stephaniemckinney.com now, read excerpts from her books, read her bio and learn in depth and learn more about her as you listen to her interview here today at Off the Shelf. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Stephanie. Yes, thank you so very much. I am so honored to be here today, Denise, and I'm glad to um um, have this opportunity to hear the questions and be able to answer some of the questions, and I'm excited about this um, radio interview. And thank you so much for having me on this morning. Oh, well, we're glad to have you here, and we thank you for taking time out of your Saturday morning to be here with us. I'm just going to jump right in because I'm sure our listeners and your readers and followers are interested in learning more about how you. Uh, what inspired you to write your books, and what's the process that you go about writing your books and learning more about your books themselves, what happens in them and what's some of the content of them. So to start, when did you write Clutch Your Pearls, Girl, and what are what are some of the topics that you cover in the book? Okay, um, Clutch Your Pearls, Girl, and it's Sister Wisdom to Protect Your Heart, um, was published in 2010. It came out in August, and it took me about... I'd say almost a year through a course of time just to prepare that particular piece. And actually, the book actually comes from a scripture that I was reading in the Bible. And that scripture is uh, Matthew 7 and 6. And it says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. And one of the things that happened in this was I, I was reading that scripture, and it's something that I have read many times before, but for some reason the words just kind of jumped out at me. And I thought 
There are so many women, and I've thought about even my relationships that I've had in the past and the relationships that other women have had, that there are so many women giving, casting their pearls before swine, meaning that they're giving their heart and their body, their soul, their mind to relationships that were just not healthy. And so as I began to ponder that particular scripture, uh, different chapters came up and different scenarios, and some of the things that I share are some of the personal experiences as well as some of the experiences that I've seen other women go through or have talked to me about or um, I've watched and, and just said, wow, you know, they're doing that or they're uh, putting up with that. And some of the things that I share in this book, and I take this this particular book um, personal because I really believe it has a message to women all over, whether it's church, unchurched, educated, uneducated, you know, um, that it's important for us to, first of all, value our worth. It's important for us to recognize um, that we are beautiful women and that we have worth, we have value, and that we shouldn't allow anyone to um, cause us to think that we should devalue our worth. And then it also deals with the importance of recognizing healthy and unhealthy characteristics in relationships and in men and, and, and just promoting women to, to be all that they are supposed to be and be all that God wants them to be. And I have it broken down in, um, I call them the velvet line boxes because when you think of pearls, you think of something that is precious and something that is valuable and and real pearls are 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 considered of uh rare and they are uh considered of high value. You don't put your pearls along with your regular jewelry because you just you know, you value them that much. And so that's what the symbol uh symbolism in the pearls is uh, women recognizing that they are valuable and shouldn't give their hearts just to anybody. You gotta be mindful of who you allow to have access to your heart and to your mind, your mind and your body and your emotions. And um, in those velvet line boxes, um, box number one is perfecting pearls for purpose. Um, Displaced pearls is number two. Number three is the pearl snatcher. And number four is pearls and waiting. And if you know, if, if through the course of the interview, I can kind of share some of those things in those particular chapters. Oh my goodness! You know, one thing, one one, and then there's so much good information that you're providing in your book, Clutch Your Pearls, Girls. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed, and I did this when I was younger myself, mm-hmm. uh, uh, although not to a great extent, but I also see a lot of women doing this. Is uh, come? I don't know where this concept in <clears throat> women comes from, and, I, and this is where I'm grateful mm-hmm. for your book. This concept that we're supposed to come into some guy's life who has a ton of issues mm-hmm. and help change him, help change him and make him better. I don't know where that even ever evolved <laughs> from, and just simple psychology tells me it started years ago probably with a mother passing that down to her daughter. Yes, that, yes. And, and and it's just gone from, and I, when I say generations, maybe thousands of years. And so as it gets spread, like we see the impact of social media. Mm-hmm. So we know that people spreading the same message has an impact. So right. if if you take just just 100 mothers passing the same message and they each have two daughters and their two daughters keep passing it to, it just, it will eventually reach a million people. And so it spreads so much that pretty soon women just believe that that's what women are supposed to do because generally when women are younger, they're attracted to men who who hurt them, who have a, who are not mature enough to be with them, and a lot of them stay with this abusive relationship emotionally, financially, sexually, or physically because they think this is what God wants me to do because God wants me to make this man better. What, what do you say to that concept, and what do you think it might have derived from? Okay, that, that's a good point because it, it and it's it's two ways. Um when you say that a lot of times we as women have gotten in relationships or women in the past have gotten in relationships where we feel as though we have to take care of this man, I think it goes back, like you're saying, some of these things have been imparted to us from um, 
our moms, our sisters, our aunties, uh, and also we as women, we are nurturers anyway. We feel as though we can come and console, put a Band-Aid on it, rub it, do whatever we got to do to make it better. And I think what happens is we take that same concept, that nurturing concept, into our relationships. But we've got to understand something, too, um, and I talk about this in one of the chapters, and one of the chapters is called The Woman in the Mirror. And a lot of times we gravitate to these type of relationships where we feel as though we got to make him better. It's because there's something in us that is not better. And not only do we look to 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 uh, uh, console them or to comfort them, but we look for that too. So it's important. It's twofold. Sometimes a woman, if she doesn't examine herself in the mirror and take the time to allow herself to heal and allow herself to uproot some of the things that were put inside that shouldn't have been there, because what happens is when if she's not whole, she's going to gravitate to somebody that's not whole either. Mm. Because And then you think about even people um, – in the uh, level of living in their class. A lot of times you're going to see the wealthy hook up with the wealthy. You're going to see yes. the poor hook up with yes. the poor. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like it has to do with your whole makeup, your ah. whole concept of who you are and, and ah. who you believe you are. Because sometimes, and I even share this in, um, I'm going to share it, Denise, in one of the uh, topics I do share about in that same chapter, The Woman in the Mirror, I share about a relationship that I had prior to my marriage. And in the relationship, this guy was interested in me, and I was interested in him too. But I didn't think I was worthy enough to have uh. this guy. And he was a good guy. He was a minister. He had a job. He had his own house. He had a car. I mean, he was well-established. But... And he wanted to be with me. And in my mind, for whatever reason, my low self-esteem at the time, I didn't think that I was good enough for him. So I let a good man go out of my life because things wasn't right with Stephanie. So a woman has to examine her heart and allow, I always say, allow God to heal. Be honest where you are so that God can heal you and take you where you really need to be. So I think the connection, yes, is stuff that's been passed down to us through our generations and what we have learned, what our girlfriends told us, what our cousins mm-hmm. told us, and this, that, and the other. And then it also has to do with how we perceive our perception of ourselves. Okay, and that's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm glad you said that. And the, mm-hmm. the, the um, example you gave was excellent. Mm-hmm. The types of people, you could even, and somebody had said this before, look at the types of people that mm-hmm. you generally are in contact with whether it's mm-hmm. online and offline, I guarantee right. you, you're going to see similarities in those people. Mm-hmm. You will see them, whether it's economic, whether it's what they're what they're involved in, yes. their goals, whatever. And you see a sim- similarity. If you're a writer, generally mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of people you keep in contact with online, particular or offline. When you are writers, are writers, you look, yeah. in, you look in, you look in your Facebook, your whatever, and you say, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, I got a ton of authors." Yeah. If you're if you're, if you're um, if you're if you're a soccer player or you're a horse lover, you mm-hmm. you would look in your your social networks and say, oh my god, I got a ton of horse lovers. Mm-hmm. So that is that it does show that we do draw and attract people, whether we want to admit it or not. Because yeah, some things we don't want to accept about ourselves, who are who are like us. I think that concept in women though about and I understand the nurturing, mm-hmm. but about trying to help a man make him better. Somehow mm. we gotta let go of that because yes. women have been really, really hurt from that. Uh, um, somehow we gotta let go of that. And I wanted to ask you this before I go to the next question. There's also this thought, and I've heard women say this: that all men cheat, all men mm-hmm. do certain things that are really negative. So mm-hmm. a woman's like, "What do you mean? Why should I? There is no better guy." He mm-hmm. said, "What? He's treating me like crap." <laughs> <laughs> Every guy does this. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. mindset also, do you address that in the book, this this, this thought that they're all no good, so at least I got one. Yeah. Um, I do touch on that a bit because we can't, we, we've got to get rid of that concept that all yes. men are dogs and that all men cheat. Because I do say in this book, I say I am not dogging out men or putting them down. 
I'm just bringing out the points of, yes, the good man and his characteristics and the man that have hurt women and that they need to recognize those signs and those signals. But you can't say that every man is a dog and can't say that every man cheats. You can't say that every man is gay. They're no good. You have just not met the good man. Right. And obviously what's happening could be could be the situation is, who are you connecting with? And and look at your circle. Look at your uh, uh, the places that you go. And then you gotta it got to go back to the woman in the mirror. If you're connecting with these dogs, what's inside of you? That's you have to ask yourself. What? Why am I connecting to the people that cheat? Why am I connecting to the people that always abuse me or take advantage of me? What is it about me that I need to work on to draw the right person? So, I mean, all men are not dogs. I mean, and I even say in there, there's some good men, there's some good fathers, good leaders, good entrepreneurs, good pastors, good husbands, good teachers, you know, good fathers. There are good men in this world, just as there are good women. Some men may even feel the same thing about us. Oh, these women, they know good. And this, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's just a matter of. Um, taking some time, if, you, if you're going through relationships that continue to repeat the same cycle, it's mm. time to sit back and say, you know what, let me look at me. Let me take a breather. Yes. Because a lot of times women will get in a relationship, that don't work out, they'll jump into the next one, and they didn't get a chance to heal, they didn't get a chance to get rid of that baggage that needs to be taken care of, because you, if you bring that same baggage into that next relationship, you're going to get the same result. And you're like, wait a minute, I just left this. Yeah, but you ain't let go of that suitcase, so um, it's just, <laughs> you got to put that bag down, okay? Oh, my God, so, you mind me Erica Baidu bag lady. When you going to put them bags, them bags down? I know down. those bags. I know when you first started carrying those bags, they didn't feel so heavy, but after 20 years, those bags yes. got to be heavy. I those know. bags got to be heavy by now. Exactly. What, 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 first of all, I wanted to ask you for mm-hmm. our off-the-shelf listeners, how much research or what type of research did you do for the for the book? Did you rely on your personal experiences and what you observed in other women around you? Did you interview women, survey women? Uh, what type of research did you do for Clutch Your Pearls, girl? Okay. I did, um, basically, it was my experiences, some of the women that um, – um, that I observed, and I did question some women. I questioned um, some of that were in um, that had gotten connected with abusive relationships, mm-hmm. um, and what what happened. I had um, talked with one uh, young lady, and I will say her name because she's okay with that. And she just wrote a book herself. Her name is Tamika Sims, and she just wrote a book called The Plus Factor. And she shares about her experience with an abusive relationship, and it happened in the church. And mm. this was a person that was um, a leader in the church. I believe he was a deacon. And um, how, you know, it, the relationship started, but it was such a secret and this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden he abused her. And she, I began to ask her different questions, too, because what 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 happened and what caused you to uh, fall into these particular traps and things like that. So sometimes I think in relationships, um, we uh we we see the red flags um but we ignore them or we act like it doesn't exist mm. and then um as you get closer into the relationship relationship i mean the red flag the redness of that flag shines really strong but then at times i think we we feel as though as you were saying i can fix it or he'll change yeah. once we get you know, yep. closer together or once we get married. Mm. So the research really was some of my experiences, some of the experiences um, that I observed, some of the people that I talked with, and even looking online, um, the different um, different sites concerning uh, uh, abuse, verbal abuse, and how different unhealthy relationships, uh, their characteristics and what happens and things of that nature, and even some books that I've read as well. So that's basically what what how it all came about. But as I said, it started with that scripture, and then 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 uh, images began to disappear, and thoughts of what to write um, began to come to me um, as the Lord gave it to me. So it's it, it's interesting, <laughs> but um, and, and 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 beneficial, yes, for for women, particularly as and and, and I, I I often say this, and I heard uh, Les Brown say this mm-hmm. at an event. It it might not be. A lot of times what we hear that makes the light bulb go on, we've heard it before. We've heard it in different ways 
Mm-hmm. But this one time, and this could be the book for, for many people, Clutch Your Pearls, Girl, is yes. you've heard it before, mm-hmm. but for some reason you resisted it. You resisted yes. it. You said, no, no, that's not for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then you read this book and the light goes on. And exactly. It just goes on. So that's why sometimes you have to hear the same thing over and over and over and over. And then eventually your defenses fall down and you, you can accept it and receive the blessing from it. What 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 three to five top tips, Stephanie, mm-hmm. would you give to women to ensure that they're they're spending time with a man who would treat them right? And not just during the dating stage, because we all put the best foot forward then. Yes. <laughs> but but who's also open, that man himself mm-hmm. can receive love because everybody is not able to receive love in healthy ways. Right. That man is equal and open to receive and give love in healthy ways. What what three tips can you give women to ensure that they're with that type of guy? Well, first of all, I, I would say before you even get into the relationship, make sure you're ready for a relationship. And as I was saying before, that sometimes we jump from one relationship into the next. And you need to make sure, and, and, and I can't pinpoint when you're sure, you have to know you're, when you're sure in regards to um, have I healed, have I let go of some things um, that maybe happened in the past relationship. And then I think it's important that when a woman gets into a relationship with a man that she makes sure that um, I think spending time with that person is very important and getting to know them as a whole, even beyond the fake part that happens when you first date, you know, you're just trying the glitter and the glamour. And mm-hmm. when she recognizes, again, i got to say them red flags, when she recognizes that there is something that he does or says that is not appropriate or gives a check in your heart that says, you know what, I don't know if I can put up with this. And not just continue on yes. because you want that man and you want a man. And so yes. if, if he doesn't meet the criteria, and it's important even to write yourself a list of things that you will, that you want in a relationship and the things that you will not stand for, you're not going to put up with. Um, mm-hmm. And then once you have set that standard, I think it's important to stick to that standard and not allow him to cross over on the line because if he cross over on the line, there's going to be something else that's going to keep crossing over. So it's it's important to, to have a standard of what you are expecting in that relationship. And I also think that it's important not so much is to see what you're going to get out of the relationship, but also what are you going to give. Everybody brings something to the table to the relationship. Yes. You're not going to keep expecting him to take care of your bills or expecting him to, um, if you're not whole and complete, you're expecting him to give you so much affection that you you sm- you, you you want him uh. to smother you. You want him mm-hmm. to... Uh, in a sense, heal you, then you're not healed because a man is not going to keep um, calling you every 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 single day or every every hour or um, smothering you or hugging you and kissing you all the time because that's what you owe. you got to have, you got to have this attention. <laughs> I mean, it's like, ugh. I mean, it's going to be a strain on the relationship because he's going to be like, my God, you know, i got to keep doing this, you know. So yeah. it's important to... Make sure that you are whole. Make sure you have a right standard. And don't always think that you're going to get what you're going to get out of the relationship because the relationship goes two ways. You're going to have to bring something to the table, too. Mm-hmm. You know, one one thing mm-hmm. that, listening to you that, mm-hmm. that it's kind of a, a gauge to to for us to know why we even entered a relationship is mm-hmm. notice the times when you're disappointed or very angry, upset with the person. Is right. It, is it when? Is it because he he didn't call you one day mm-hmm. and you just you are so upset about that? That might be a, a signal to you that you need some healing in regards to feeling important mm-hmm. and valued and cared for. And right. this one guy can't do that. That's inner work. That's inner work. No, exactly. No, no, but you got to do that work, but that's a signal to you that there's a problem there, especially if you really blow a fuse mm-hmm. or just different <laughs> things. If he doesn't buy you a real 
something as expensive as a friend of yours, the same purse, or as expensive of a purse as she's got. You right. got some issues with self esteem. He can't fix it. You can get mad and say he's cheap and this, that, and the other. That's right. inner work that we have to do. And so sometimes in relationships, when we get upset, we can get cues on mm-hmm. this is this is an this is something for me to work on. Right. We can get cues from it. You also wrote doing it God's way. Uh being that we don't have we we're not born nor do we turn twenty one, there's uh-huh. something come down through the sky <laughs> on our life that we can just keep flipping through the pages and say, uh for the next ten weeks do this and this and that. We don't have that. Mhm. We don't have a step-by-step guideline on how to live our lives. Mm-hmm. We don't have, as a parent, you don't have step-by-step guidelines on how to raise your children. Right. How can we know when we are doing things God's way? Okay. That particular book is actually, that's that's the second part of the uh, title. The actual title of the book is Positioning Yourself for Success, Doing It God's okay. Way. Okay. And so basically that particular book, and I had wasn't really even planning on reading uh, writing this particular book. It just came one day out of a teaching at church, and these topics just began to come up, and I began to write. And basically, what this book is about is to prepare yourself for whatever this whatever you consider to be successful in your life, because success means different things to different people. Um, some people's success is completing a book. Some people's success is um, getting out of high school, graduating college, um, having a successful marriage, having a good relationship with God. So it just depends. But um, positioning yourself for success, doing it God's way, the only way we're going to know whether we're doing it God's way is you've got to go back to the root, and that is the Word of God. You've got to go back to the Bible, the basic Bible principles and what God says concerning his word and and doing that and applying it to your life. And some of those uh, chapters I'll, I'll read from here is um, the first one is positioning yourself. You've got to position yourself for the success that you're looking for. And this particular book um, has a lot of um, biblical-based information as well as um, general information as well. And the second chapter is daily meditation. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to get your education, get yourself in position. And I share um, an example of how I was working at a particular job, and when I got the position, my boss told me, he says, uh, we were able to give you an increase in your salary because of your work experience, but had you had your degree, we would have been able to give you more money. And I wow. said, oh, my gosh, you know, I didn't complete it for, for various reasons, but I'm I'm working on completing that now, and I'm about a year away from doing that. But um, had I educated myself, and I thought that was a very – education is very important. Um, I can't stress it enough how it is so important to educate yourself, whether it's going to college, taking an online course, going to a technical school, learning a trade. Um, it's important for us, and there's so much information on the Internet that we can educate ourselves and get ourselves in a position where we can achieve the excess that we are actually looking for. Then uh, the next one is see it for yourself. You've got your perception of how you see things. Um, if you don't see yourself as making it nine times out of ten, you're, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be a success. So you have to see that. Uh, we have to watch our confessions. Um, and that goes back to the, what the things that we say. Our thoughts have to be right, have to be aligned. Um, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. A man wrote a book on that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The company you keep has a lot to do of getting yourself in position for success. You have to be teachable and be able to teach others. Um, one of the chapters is to get past hurts and your past failures. Uh, pursue beyond your adversities. Um, you have to be productive in order to be successful and always acknowledging God through prayer and in self-discipline and applying integrity in your life. So those are some of the topics that um, are discussed throughout this particular book. And is it a workbook type where you read it and then you do exercises after mm-hmm. you get through with each chapter or you, it's just a book that you read and absorb the information? It's a book that you read and absorb the information, but that's a good idea. I may have to apply that with the workbook because then they can apply what is being um, read because I think it's good, too, as you were saying, just to write down information, and that's why sometimes I even have like a journal or a notebook. Um, Even after I've read certain books, 
um, whether they're biblically based or not, if I've read something um, that has, I got a nugget out of it, it's always good to write down that information because that, that will help you. Mm-hmm. When, when did you launch your Positioning Yourself for Success workshops? When did you when did you start those? You said the book wasn't something that, your first book, Clutch Your mm-hmm. Pearls Girls, came you, it started to unfold after you read a scripture that sort of jumped out at you. Mm-hmm. And then Positioning Yourself for Success came after you were teaching a class in church. How mm-hmm. soon after did you launch the Positioning Yourself for Success workshops? Well, <laughs> listen, let me tell you, when I wrote that, I didn't know as much as far as launching things, doing things. The Culture of Pearls is the last book that I've written. But um, position yourself for success, and and that is so true, Denise, and I need to um, slap myself for not doing like I should have. But I did do that back in 2008, I believe it was, 2008, okay. 2007. I did, I did some workshops, and I have really been – um, writing down some information in regards to getting that back in place to uh, get some workshops and even some online webinars and things of that nature to kind of incorporate the book and with some of the teachings as well so that it can help people to get in position to, for success um, in doing it God's way. So that's something that I've been uh, writing down for 2012 to um pretty much, in a sense, relaunch it or uh, put it back in the eyes of people uh, so that they can get in position and do it God's way according to his word. Yeah, because I could imagine if you would do the workshops, whether they're do webinars or mm-hmm. in person. In person, right. And then you, you'd let people know that they can continue and get more either in-depth learning, absorb the material even further by purchasing your book, that that is a good way to expand your market increase your book sales. I know speaking generally is one of the a, a great and effective way to expand readership. When you do offer the workshops for off the shelf mm-hmm. listeners, you say you plan on targeting sometime in 2012, which is right around the corner. Exactly. Uh, re, re, relaunching the positioning your, yourself for success workshops, which is something most, if not all people want to do, what do you offer at the workshops or what do you plan at this point, although I could change, what do you plan on offering attendees at these workshops and and will they be available in person or only via web seminars? How do you see it coming together? Um, Well, the way that I see it is that, of course, um, they would get a copy of the book and they would um, also get um, at least about five different sessions or uh, pulling from at least five of those different topics uh, from the book and creating a uh, online uh, workshop, whereas um, it can, I, I was thinking more like the, um, the teleconferences. And the actual, what I did it the other time um, during the day, uh, or I'm sorry, in the evening time I did a workshop and I put, shared some information concerning the book and then I had uh, two other speakers come in. So that's probably the angle what I would do. I would bring forth the workshop itself in regards to some of the information from the book and then I may incorporate another individual to bring out some other points and, of course, there will be refreshments. Of course, there will be a little uh, rap sessions and things of that nature, but the book would be incorporated. Even with the um, teleconference, um, more so um, me actually doing a segment of teachings and building it from there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds like a good workshop. And, 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 and you can shoot me an email when you launch them, and I can let our yes. listeners here at Off the Shelf know those I who are interested it. in attending your workshops. Now, Issues of Life, is that that's your first novel, is that correct? That that was my first novel, yes. And, when, and when, Go ahead. Go, go ahead. I'm going to let you go ahead. (laughs) When did you write Issues of Life? And you've written your other two books, Positioning Yourself for Success and Clutch Your Pearls Girls, are nonfiction. So when did you write Issues of Life? And what was that process of writing your first piece of fiction like? Okay. Um, Issues of Life was um, published in 2006. All of my books are have been self published. I I self published them myself. Um Good for you. Un, under my um publishing self publishing company called J and J Publishing. Okay. And Issues of Life, um 
like I said, was in 2006, but I actually got that idea in 2004. And so I had jotted down some information. Uh, I knew nothing about writing a fiction novel at all. I, I, I just had no clue in a sense. Um, but I know a story was given to me, and um, it took me about a year or so. Really, 2004, I got the idea. I didn't push anything to about 2005 or so. And I just began to um, write as it was given, you know, as the, the characters, as I, you hear a lot of authors say, the characters were talking in my head. I could yes. hear them wanting to say this and wanting to do, you know. And so that's what I I began to experience. These characters began to talk and um, say say this and you act this way and whatever. But at the time when I wrote that book, I didn't know like I said, I know a lot about writing um, how to develop the character, how to develop the plot line and all of these things mm -hmm. that go into making uh, a book come out. So I just kind of was trial and error. And so I only printed a few copies of that particular book. I got some good reviews. Um, I even had it um, reviewed by Raw Sister dot com and I okay. got I think a, I think yeah. a four point five or something okay. like that and so they and you know that was inspiring but mm -hmm. <clears throat> what I needed to do was to um, and that's something where you said the inner work I needed to really work on um, pushing it and at the time I didn't know a lot about marketing it wasn't a lot of social media too much going on but I mean it wasn't um, I didn't push the book a lot of times we think as writers that the hard part is writing, but really yes. it's not. The hard yes. part or the job, I'll say it's yes. another job, is marketing that book yes. and getting that book out there and to getting it into the hands of as many readers as you can. And it's funny that you bring up even issues of life. I was thinking about that book again, and I said, I, I know um, I have had been working on some revisions, and I'm going to, I revised a few things and certain things that I, I wanted to pull out and add in, and I'm going to revise it. And I thought what I'll do is I will um, put it on a Kindle ebook version before okay. I go back to print again. Yeah. Um, but, and that's the thought that came to me. I said, you know what? I need to revive this book again. I need to, you know, because it didn't get the exposure that I really believed that it needed. I did some book signings and things of that nature, but. Um, I need to push it because I kept hearing, said, this is a good story, it's a good story. You know, yeah, people okay. say, it's a good story. Um, but I want to, um, that's that's my goal for 2012, again, with that particular book. I'm going to finish up the revisions and the changes, and then I'm going to put it in the Kindle version, and I'll probably go back to printing it again. But I'll, I'll try with the um, e-book version first. Can you tell us here at Off the Shelf, just give us a little glimpse into it as, mm -hmm. as our listeners can look forward to issues of life when mm -hmm. you reissue it. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the main characters, if you can tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about them, and maybe one or two key events that happen to these characters in the okay. book? Okay. Um, and I can read you, I'm going to look at the back of it as well. There are four characters. There's four women, and they are four women that grew up in the same neighborhood, um, went to high school together and things of that nature, but now they've gotten to the point where they've grown up and they often keep connected with one another. And the way they keep connected with one another is that they have um, these luncheons or dinner, you know, girls gathering, y'all get mm -hmm. together and talk and share. And a lot of times in, in the book they have these sessions where they all sit down and get together and just kind of talk and share what's going on with their issues of life and how they can kind of get through their particular issues. And they, they resorted back to praying and asking God to cover it. And they... Uh, built that uh, relationship where they would pray for their issues and they would also encourage and support one another. You know how you're friends with this particular person and maybe a group of ladies and you all would get together just to kind of like vent or just to kind of like for support or mm -hmm. this, you should do this, or we got your back, or this, that, and other. So we have four women. One of the women, uh, first lady's name is um, Irene White, and Irene's okay. situation is um, she has two children, but she had them at a wedlock. And then she meets this particular man and marries him. But her daughter has an issue with uh, the new, you know, her mom's husband. They don't okay. get along at, far, at, at first. And it's, she finds it hard to adjust to this new man in her mom's life and, and how he um, how he sets the rules for the house. But there's a situation 
that takes place with Cheryl, who is her daughter, um, that um, is detrimental in a sense. I'm not going to tell it all, but um, there's something that she goes through. There's an issue that she goes through personally because she does not listen to the instructions of her mother and her stepfather. Um, Joy Garrison, who is the um, main character, she's the one that kind of started it off. She's single, saved, but she's looking for somebody. She she's mm-hmm. the only single one in the group, and she's just you know accepted God and everything, and she's trying to hold out and wait, um, you know, not to have sex before marriage and this that and other. But then this mm-hmm. guy comes into her life, and then she's faced with temptation, and even he does something to betray her. And so she's got to handle that issue. Then we have Robin Sanders. She is a pastor's wife. She just became a pastor's wife. And she wasn't really looking forward to this particular position, but she wanted to support her husband in ministry. And then she comes up and has, um, they have a situation where she's got to deal with this flirtatious church church secretary. And then she also has this um, major medical diagnosis that she has to deal with. And okay. then it's um, Sherry Turner. Um, she's involved and married with a deacon at the church, and he is abusive to her. First it's verbal, oh. and then it turns into uh, physical. So it's their different little scenarios of what they experience, and they pull together and kind of comfort and support one another, but they um, get through their issues. In the end, of course, you know, that things do work out, but there's just the experiences and the things that they had to deal with Mm-hmm. Get through. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. It is, and, and it sounds an interesting read, particularly mm-hmm. for women who value their their friendships with their girlfriends. The other right, women. right. Do, do you see yourself writing more novels? You seem like the most of what you've written is nonfiction. Do you see yourself writing more novels, or or, or no? Yes, uh, more novels and more nonfiction. <laughs> um, okay. I've already written another novel already, um, and I've got to do um, some more revisions and um, getting that done. And it took me a year to do that particular book. I have a I have a notebook, Denise, <laughs> of ideas of this character, that character, and who gonna do what. And I'm like, Lord, give me the time so I can do this. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I have, but I, what I do and what I find is that. A lot of times you will begin to write something and you think that, and I used to struggle with this because I would think, i got to focus on this one book, i got to focus on this one book, and you do. But as you get ideas about something else, it is so important to have that notebook to write those ideas about yeah. those other books or those other characters because that may never come again. So you have to yeah, jot yeah. it down. And so now I got, and I learned that from um, Kendra Norma Bellamy because she um, has this, like, a uh, writers group and that was one of the questions that somebody asked, Well what if you got another idea? You know, what do you do with that? And then that was the response that she gave was that to write it down and I know that's what I was doing. I bought myself a notebook and I put, you know, notebook paper in it and as something comes, I jot it down because I know when I get ready to work on that I'll at least have a shell, you know, to begin with. You know, you said you made a point and I've heard mm-hmm. uh songwriters say the same thing you just said, and I've mm-hmm. experienced it myself. Right. When you get an idea, it, 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 could, it could be about writing a book. It could be about something that an idea a, comes to you or maybe a different way yeah. to, mm-hmm. to communicate with someone, a new way to address something in your life. I do I write it down because it's the same way with dreams. You write mm-hmm. your dreams down, you'll start remembering them. If you don't write them down, you might forget what you just dreamed about. Right. So, Write stuff down because you like what you just said. It uh-huh. might, the idea might not surface again. It it, it won't come back, and you're like, yeah. oh. And you think yes. that, especially even at night, like if you get a thought in the middle of the night, I would find myself. Let me tell you, especially this other novel that, that I'm working on with the revisions, I would hear the characters. I'm telling you, and I would be like, oh my god. And and you want to get up? It's like I got to get up. And even with Clutch of Pearls, I would hear what I needed to put down. And I would actually literally have to get up and write something or either go to the computer or whatever it was because I knew I would lose it. And there are times when I would think, ah, I'll catch it in the morning. I'm tired. Yes. And then in the morning, oh, no. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. 
<laughs> yes, that's the yes. subconscious mind coming up, gi- yes. giving you clues. Right. And uh, uh, I think that's how Einstein figured out the 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 uh, relativity, the law of relativity. Uh-huh. If you would, it came to him either through a dream or something. If you focus on something, the the subconscious conscious mind, the mind never stops working ever. Exactly. So it's it's constantly working, and when it'll pop up an idea, and rather than just say, "Oh, that's nuts" or whatever, just write it. Yeah. Down. Yes, you don't know it. what it what it could lead to, uh, but if you don't, like you said, like opportunities. When I know. Door, when opportunity <laughs> knocks, yes. you better answer that door because you don't know if it's going to knock the same way again. That's and right. I've learned that myself. When it knocks, mm-hmm. you better just open the door and say, oh, good to see you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let, let that chance pass and then say, oh. It'll come around again. Well, maybe it will 30 years later. I know. Uh, and, maybe, and maybe it doesn't. I want to talk about one of your other books before I ask you a few other questions as we are mm-hmm. quickly coming to the last few minutes of the day's show. But what what is the road to excelling them all about? Can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners about some of the topics you cover in this in this book? Okay. Now, this particular book is actually the first book that I wrote. Okay. Um, yeah, The Road to Excelling Them All. And it's Steps to Excellence, Woman to Woman. And this, again, once again, came from um, a workshop that I did. And so as a result of the idea of the workshop, the chapters uh, came as a result. So this particular book um, was published in 2000. And like I said, I self-published this as well. And... Again, this was when I was very green about publishing, about anything, but for some reason it did did birth forth. And um, the road to excelling them all is just some basic principles in regards to almost like positioning yourself for success, but um, getting on, I I liken to excelling them all like a road, uh, a place that we all have to travel to uh, reach our destination in regards to our successes in life, our our goals, our uh, visions, our dreams that we want to fulfill. And I liken that unto a road uh, to excel them all. And some of the chapters that are in that book, it's a seven seven chapters. It's a smaller book, and it's um, Commitment Produces Results. That's the first chapter. As Mm. we know, if we want anything to be accomplished in our lives, We've got to be committed to it, and if you're if you don't commit to it, if you don't commit to writing that book, you're not going to do it. You're not going to see yes. the results. If yep. you don't commit to that uh, mm. business, if you don't commit to your marriage, you know you're just not going to see the results that you really want. Right. So it's commitment produces results, and then the next one was a uh, surrendered life, and that deals with more of um, submitting and. Um, uh, surrendering your life um, to to God and submission also positions you. And I talk about how uh, Ruth submitted to uh, the instruction of Naomi so that she can get her Boaz. So mm-hmm. it's different things that we need to be uh, listened to and uh, be mindful of. Um, then I dealt with prayer, of course, praying and and uh, seeking God in regards to your direction for your life. And I talk about the importance of vision and how important it is for us to have a vision and to make sure. I remember um, some years back that um, it deals again with seeing it for yourself and writing the vision and making it plain. Um, I remember someone had asked me what was my vision or what was my goal or what were my dreams or whatever, and they asked me what what was my vision, and I, at the time, did not have a vision. And they said, oh, my God. You don't have a vision. You don't know where you're going. And I, I never really thought of it that way. But if you don't have a vision, you're going to perish. You, you're just going to just go. You're going to go with the flow instead of creating yeah. the flow. And it talks about um, being a visionary, how a visionary actually um, creates the flow. And um, mm-hmm. then it talks about acts of diligence, how we have to be diligent in whatever we're going to do uh, in regards to our goals and our dreams and watching our conduct and the need for encouragement. So this book um, is about 55 pages, and it is, well, the first book, as I said, um, in 2000. 
Oh my goodness, you've been out here for for a decade, <laughs> and, and, you, and I commend you on. And I want to ask you this before yes. we move forward, as we come down mm-hmm. to the last ten minutes of today's show. Yes. When and why did you start J and J Publishing? Uh, uh, and 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 before you answer that, I wanted to ask you: had you had you reached out to other mainstream publishers, as many other writers did, and tried to get your books? published to them because years ago when I started out if a, you you literally had to beg another book publisher to take you on or your book yes. didn't come out mm-hmm. and then I think from my best recollection it started with African American writers because when I was a little girl there were very very few books written by African Americans I mean like maybe three African American writers that were living and the others like of course Paul Lawrence Dunbar and James Baldwin and others had right. passed on, but mm-hmm. it, it was you, you. The way we see African American books now, oh, that wasn't when I was a kid. You right. you might have gone to right. the bookstore or library and saw three. It was mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. where you just mm-hmm. saw a whole section or a lot a lot of books, which I really appreciate that change. But what happened a couple of years ago was, or, or I would say about fifteen years ago, African American authors just said, you know what. I'm gonna because they book publish. You say they don't publish black books mm-hmm. because they said black people don't read, which wasn't true. Mm-mm. So we just started self-publishing. Mm-hmm. We just started doing it ourselves. And I think that the self-publishing industry has truly taken off. It used to not get respect. It does now. Bookstores will carry self-published books. Libraries will carry them. And that came from hard work. And I think in large part to a lot of African American authors who just said, "I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to get my story out of here right. myself." And, right. And and then and then that's how it, it came about. And now that industry, especially with the internet and eBooks, it has just taken off. Yes, and I wanted yes. to ask you: Did you try initially that traditional path of let me go? and see if I can get a mainstream publisher to take me on. Thankfully, you didn't have the the markets change where you didn't have to say, well, if they don't publish me, I guess I'll never get published. Mm-hmm. And then and then after that, did you go and say, you know what, I'm still moving forward. I am not going to let this stop me. Somebody else's no is not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. And then you started J&J Publishing. Is that the route you went? Or did you just start J&J Publishing from the, from the beginning? Well, um, for the first book, I didn't. I just like self-published it myself, and I just had it in my name. And then J and J Publishing came around 2006 or 2000, yeah, 2006, 2007. And I, um, at the time, like you said, it wasn't a lot going on as far as I, I didn't really pursue the traditional route until I got to my novel, and I, okay. I sent it to someone um, because. Self-publishing, like you said, it has blown up now. It's more, mm-hmm. uh, more, more, more people out there. Like you said, I felt like I had a story. Even with Clutch of Pearls, I didn't even want to do it traditionally. I wanted to do it myself. That is just my personal thing. I just said I'm going to mm-hmm. put this out myself. Um, the the novel itself, I did submit it to a um, uh, Christian fiction publishing company, and what I got back was. Um, that I had a good story, but I had to work on some things. And Mm -hmm. I think when I got that negativity, I just was like, and I know I shouldn't have taken this approach, and I want to encourage you, even if you do get uh, a no, still keep trying. You know, still try a different publisher because um, what that person may not be able to work with it, but somebody else will. But I got some constructive criticism in regards to the the novel itself. But I think at the time, because I was still young in it, I got discouraged, and I just put it to the side, and it was like, well, forget it. But then I just said, you know what, let me just do it myself. And that's what I did. But I know um, I would desire to, I think in the future, I really would desire to go through a traditional publisher only because, um, of course, even people think that, well, once you get out to the traditional publisher, um, you're going to make all this money or you're going to um, get more exposure. And I think the exposure part, yes, you will get more exposure because their money can take your book further than what maybe your self money can take. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so um, with that, but even with traditional publishing, you still have to market your book. A lot yeah. of people think, well, um, I'm a traditional publisher, so-and-so got it, or, you know, and but 
you still have to work. And I think yes. a lot of times we get trapped in, I wrote the book, that's it, I'm done. No, but the, the next part of the job is really to market it. So I think in the future I will continue to self-publish some of my books, but I think also in the future I will uh, submit to traditional publishers to give myself that exposure and that experience. And they have a broader distribution. I think that's one of yes. the greatest because they don't always put marketing money behind all their authors. A lot of it goes no. behind their top mm-hmm. writers, but mm-hmm. they do have a larger distribution, and they have relationships and contacts with, I mean, for years, established relationships and contacts with the media, bookstores, libraries, and their distribution. That's one thing I would say with a traditional publisher. Yeah, Their distribution channels are so broad exactly. that you can get, they can get your books in the stores. That As a self-publisher, it might take you months, weeks and months of constant, yes. constant focus and work to get in, and it just takes them a, a minute. So yeah. that, that's, one of, that's one of the benefits. Um, but there are many self-publishers who've gone on and do extremely well for I themselves, yes. And, and, yes. and I do commend them. Stephanie, we only have a few minutes left, and I had so many other questions <laughs> oh, wow. that I wanted to ask you. Yes. I definitely want to make sure that before we go, uh, you, you let our listeners know, and I want to talk about a retreat Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was doing the research for this this interview, do you put on an annual retreat? Yes, I put on an annual retreat, a women's retreat, and it usually takes place in Sunset Beach, North Carolina. I have it at Sea Trail Golf Resort in Sunset Beach, North Carolina, which is right outside of North Myrtle Beach, and. Um, this year, uh, for 2000, sorry, 2012, the dates are April 19th through the 21st, uh, 2012. That's a Thursday through Saturday. And people can get information about that at www.stephaniemckinney.com. And McKinney is spelled M-C-K-E-N-N-Y. And um, that annual retreat, I've been doing it this year, will be the 13th year. It's something that the Lord just dropped in my spirit is to have a retreat for women, a place. Um, a lot of times we have conferences and things of that nature in churches, um, and that's fine, and I don't have any problem with that, but sometimes we need to break away from the, the our everyday scenarios and situations and just allow some free time to to be by the water and to fellowship with other sisters and to encourage one another and, of course, to get the Word of God. So um, I'm excited about next year's retreat. It's going to be called the Time of Refreshing. Who are some of the speakers that you have planned? And we only have about three minutes left. Okay. Who are some of the speakers you have planned? Um, most of the speakers that I have are local here in South Carolina. I have um, co-pastor Lisa Brown. She's out of uh, Myrtle Beach herself. Um, okay. Pastor Deborah Rouse, she's out of Andrews, South Carolina. Um, pastor Stephanie Buchanan, she's out of Atlanta. And I will be speaking as well. I usually open it up that Thursday night, and then we have sessions on Friday morning. Uh, we break for lunch, and then we have Friday evening sessions. And then Saturday we have a... Uh, married and single session. Wow! Oh my goodness, you have a good <laughs> a good retreat lined up. <laughs> yes, April nineteenth through the twenty first, two thousand and twelve. Yeah, you said it's in North Carolina, South Carolina. It's in North, North Carolina. Carolina. It's, it's it's Sunset Beach. It's called Sunset Beach, North Carolina, which is outside of North Myrtle Beach, uh, North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but it's uh, right across the line, a few, a few off, once you cross that North Carolina line, um, it's shortly after that. And it's $175 per person, and that okay. includes all of your food and your housing, your conference material, and your wow. registration. Wow. We have that's a good. Time. That's a good price. <laughs> yes. yes. yes oh my goodness. That's a. Good, that sounds good. Again, April nineteenth through twenty first, yes. two thousand and twelve, Sunset Beach, North Carolina. You close to. Says close to Myrtle Beach, and Myrtle Beach is, is just a. It's just a treat. One hundred seventy five yes. per person, and you can find out more about it and register at her website, which is www.stephaniemckinney.com, and that's S T E P H A N I E M C K E N N Y. Dot com. So you can yes. go over there and learn more about the retreat and, and register for it. We have less than two minutes left. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books? Okay, they can get coffee. Copies of my book on my website at www.stephaniemckinney.com. Um, the latest book, Clutch of Pearls, can be purchased off of that particular site or where uh, wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, they can get anywhere online. If they go into the bookstore, it may not be on the shelf yet, but you can also, 
go to the bookstore and request for that, and they will be able to mm-hmm. order you a copy. Also, my um, publishing self-publishing site is www.jjpublishingonline.com, and uh, I am accepting new authors for 2012. I have two authors that I'm working with already. Oh, Their books goodness. are there. Their books are on there as well. Uh, no, no more substitutes. Is one of the author Billy White. Melanie Dees is how to make lemonade. And again, I'm accept- accepting new authors for those that are uh, wanting to venture out in self-publishing their book. Oh my goodness! What a wonderful, wonderful show. We have just yes. we're coming down to this back and forth. We have I just enjoyed, enjoyed speaking <laughs> with Stephanie McKinney. Again, please go over and visit her online. The author of The Road to Selling Them All: Issues of Life. Positioning yourself for success, issue which is the latter part of first part of issues of life. A clutch your pearls, girl, doing it God's way, and she's she's written novels, she's written nonfiction, she's got her retreat coming up in North Carolina Sunset Beach, April nineteenth through twenty first, with some great speakers, and she's also going to be speaking. You can go and meet her there in person, and her website again is stephaniemckinney dot com s t e p h a n i e m c k e n n y dot com. Go check her out. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank, thank you. you to, thank you to our off the shelf listeners for tuning in. Please come back again next Saturday at eleven a.m. and please go pick up a copy of my book. It's in print. And in ebook format, long walk up. If you get it in in, in ebook, you don't even have to spend five dollars for it. It's less than five dollars in ebook format. And also, please go over to my blog, writemoneyinc.com, and, and you can learn valuable things about the writing and business industry there. To our listeners, as I always tell you, remember you're so valued, so truly loved, and so appreciated. Thank you for being here with us. Please tell others about Off the Shelf and go out and create a fabulous day for yourself thank you so much stephanie truly enjoy you and i wish you limitless success and countless blessings to you and to all everybody and for now bye for now see you next saturday 11 a.m stephanie i'll shoot your email thank you bye-bye lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.